Hi everyone. I want to talk today about learning to live with limits. The last six months have um, really kind of reminded us um, that we, our lives have limits. Sometimes those limits are imposed on us externally, lockdown. Uh, sometimes those limits are just our own uh, capacity to know, to understand stuff uh, and to get everything done. It's part of what it is to be a human being. The Bible teaches that we have been made finite beings. We have a beginning and an end. And as such, we don't know everything and we can't do everything. The problem is, is that you and I live in a world that has decided to reject that truth. It's decided that basically all things are possible. Um, our children are told again and again, just look inside yourself, believe and you can do whatever you want to do. And actually, that's not possible. And the problem is when you're finite beings and you decide that you want to try and live infinite lives, it becomes tiring and exhausting because you try and learn everything, but you can't. You try and do everything, but you can't. And you become aware of that and it wearies you out. COVID-19 has just highlighted that, I think, in our culture. As we've either faced lockdown or faced constant change, and it's like a hokey-cokey, sometimes back, sometimes forward, it's just really exhausted us, hasn't it? And tired us out. Most people are trying to work out how to live in that situation and how to live with that tiredness. Um, it's almost like we're kind of trapped within our limits, but how can we, how can we get through this? What I want to talk to us today about is the fact that actually when we learn to live with our limits, we can find freedom. We can find freedom. And that freedom, funnily enough, I'm going to say is found in Jesus. We're starting a new series this week in Matthew's Gospel. We're going to be learning from Matthew's story of Jesus. I'm not going to start this week in chapter 1, I'm going to start in chapter 11. It's about halfway through the Gospel and the reason we're starting there is chapter 11 contains a key invitation of Jesus that he makes to you and to me. That if we hear and if we respond, changes everything about us. And would love us just to start our journey in Matthew with that invitation and to see where we go from there. In Matthew 11 and 12, Matthew teaches about the nature of faith. And he does that by firstly uh, teaching about unbelief and then contrasting that with faith. He does it three times. Unbelief, unbelief, faith. Unbelief, unbelief, faith. Unbelief, unbelief, faith. The first time he does it, um, it's so, for me as I was reading it, it's about the nature of doubt and where it can lead us to. So in, in Matthew 11, he begins with um, John the Baptist. You probably know John. He's the guy who made, made the way for Jesus, proclaimed that the Messiah was coming. He's the guy who, when he saw Jesus, knew who he was, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. By Matthew 11, John has found himself in prison. Herod has arrested him and uh, literally the walls have closed in on John. And from that place, John begins to doubt. I think it's normal. Um, I would expect for many of us the last six months, there have been all sorts of doubts. Um, we doubt those in authority. Uh, we probably doubt ourselves. Um, and if we're people of faith, we've probably at times, if we're honest with ourselves, doubted what God is up to and maybe whether or not he's at work in all of this at all. So John is doing what any of us would do when the walls close in, going, what's going on? 
And he sends word to Jesus via his disciples. And his question is a simple one. Jesus, are you the one or should I wait for another? Jesus sends John's disciples back to him and says this. Go back and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus says, go back and tell John what's going on. And those are signs from the Old Testament, um, from the prophets of the Old Testament, of what it would be like when the Messiah came. Jesus says, John, you want to know am I the one? This is what's going on. What do you think? And I think the way that Matthew then records how Jesus goes on to talk about John, that I imagine John in prison going, oh, yeah. Yes, Jesus, you are the one. John's doubt becomes faith. When he sees the signs of the kingdom, when he hears about the signs of the kingdom, he responds in faith. Now, I think the problem that we have in our world with doubt is <clears throat> part of what it is to live in a postmodern world is um, we live in a world that's kind of made doubt a virtue. So to be able to shrug your shoulders and go, I don't know about a whole bunch of whether it be theological or philo philosophical or ethical ideas is seen to be okay it's seen to have an open mind but the problem is the bible teaches that doubt is is not a good place to be it, it's more like a train station it's somewhere you pass through and we pass from doubt either to faith like john the baptist did or to unbelief and unbelief is not a good place to go to so matthew then records that after the the story about John and the prison and the question from prison, he then records Jesus um, denouncing some towns. Those towns are Chorazin, Bethsaida and Capernaum. And why they're really interesting is they're the, the towns that Jesus did most of his teaching and his miracles in. Scholars call them the, they call them the evangelical triangle. Evangelical there means the, the place where the good news was proclaimed. And in this triangle, Jesus did a lot of work, a lot of miracles and a lot of teaching. And so these are the people who were best placed to see the signs of the kingdom that John had responded to. But it's clear from the text that these people in these towns didn't respond. And Jesus says that actually judgment will come because I've, you've, you've seen the signs of the kingdom. Messiah has been in your midst and you've decided no. And actually you will face judgment for that. And I think the issue there is that, there, is that doubt has become pride. They've decided that they know what it'll be like when Messiah turns up. They've decided how life should be. And so they found themselves travelling through doubt to unbelief. Doubt is not somewhere we can stay. We either move to faith or unbelief. So that's how Matthew tees up uh, what comes next, which is this amazing invitation of Jesus, which I'm going to read to us. this from verse 28 come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light both living uh, constantly in doubt and travelling to uh, and, and to unbelief and settling in a place of unbelief and pride are quite tiring and wearisome because we're butting up against our limits, butting up against what it is to be finite all the time. And to those of us who are weary and feel burdened by this, Jesus has come to me. Come to me. And the first thing he offers us is rest. 
Now, it's not rest as sometimes I wish I'd like it, you know, a day in bed with Netflix and uh, coffee brought to me regularly. But it's, it's a different kind of rest. It's the rest of Genesis chapter one and the rest of Hebrews chapter four, which is the rest that follows a completed work. So for six days, God creates and on the seventh day he rests, Genesis one. Adam and Eve, their first experience of life with God is the rest of God. And in Hebrews 4, the author to the Hebrews invites us all into the rest that Jesus has won for us on the cross. So our first experience um, when we receive grace, when we receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour, is the rest of the completed work of salvation. And what that rest means is it means that we don't have to worry about the bigger picture. We don't have to worry about eternity. We don't have to worry about who's in charge. God is in charge. He has secured eternity. Um, the cross has done it all. The cross and resurrection means that our salvation, our rescue is secure. We are secure in the love of God. We are secure in our relationship with God. And um, we have entered into the rest of a completed work. And that shifts our mindset. It means that as I travel through something like COVID and every week, my job, my family situation, my emotions, that I know that even though I am finite, that there is one who is infinite and, and unlimited and that he has secured eternity for me. And that actually this is a season that will pass and that he is with me in. It frees me to live with my limits, not to be trapped by them. So the first thing Jesus offers us is rest, the rest of his completed work. The second thing he offers us is his yoke. Take my yoke upon you. Um, in his day, there were two illustrations that would have jumped out to his listeners. The first one is a farming illustration. Um, oxen yoked together with a farmer directing them. The second one is a teaching illustration. A rabbi in Jesus' day would have described their teachings as their yoke, what I expect my followers to do. And so Jesus, is, it's an invitation to say, let me be your rabbi, let me be your teacher, um, follow my guidance, follow my leadings, go where I lead. And he says his yoke is easy. We'll come on to that in a second. But it's an invitation to trust Jesus. And I think it follows rest quite nicely. If I have, if my first experience of life with God is rest, well, then I'm naturally going to want to trust him. And in being a finite creature, um, it's, it's saying, actually, I'm trusting you, the infinite God, that you know how the world is wired. You know where the world is headed and you know how we need to think about ethical matters, uh, about pragmatic matters. And, and actually, you are going to guide and lead me in how I should live my life. Um, a modern day illustration might be it's like signing for the most amazing sports team and with this wonderful coach being a Liverpool fan I'd say it's like Jurgen Klopp and going actually you're such a good coach why wouldn't I want to trust what you're going to tell me to do why wouldn't I want to learn from you why wouldn't I want to train with you because you're so good Jesus is saying I am an amazing coach and I want to sign you for my team and we are invited to say yes rest take my yoke upon you and and we know that this is okay because uh of what jesus is like uh, and what he's done for us and that um take my yoke upon you learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart 
unlike other authority figures, it's not all about Jesus for Jesus. Um, it's about you. It's about me. Uh, his heart for you is gentle, is for your well-being, uh, for your flourishing. Um, he is humble. Um, he is a servant. He will put you first. And we know he's done this because of the cross and because of the resurrection. You see, you and I had, uh, where Jesus has rest, you and I had turmoil. And, and where Jesus has a, a yoke uh, which is with the Father and the Spirit, we had a yoke that was a yoke of sin, that was a burden to us. And Jesus comes from his rest and steps into our turmoil. Uh, he exchanges um, his yoke of um, sonship with God the Father for our yoke of sin and rebellion from God. And what he offers us is his rest and his yoke in return. The great exchange. Jesus says, you may have my yoke, uh, you may have my rest, because I have taken your yoke uh, of sin and I have taken your turmoil in your place. So we know that Jesus is humble and we know that he is gentle, not just because he says it, but because of what he has done for us. The work that is completed that invites us into the rest of God. And the way into this is the attitude of John. It's, an, it's what we call in the Christian life repentance. It's coming back to God and understanding that I'm finite, I don't know it all, but I'm going to bring it to you, God. So John brings his question, are you the one, to Jesus? And we can bring our doubts, uh, we can bring where we feel trapped by our limits, we can bring that all to Jesus and let him give us rest and let him put his yoke upon us. We can live our lives as finite beings trapped by our limits or we can live our lives as finite beings free to be with God within our limits. I know which one <laughs> feels more appealing to me today. We don't know what the next six months, I'm going to leave it at six months, but we don't know what the next six months are going to be like. We don't know uh, if lockdown's going to come or go. It's going to be a bit like a hokey-cokey. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen at work. We don't know what's going to happen um, if you've got people in your household in education, what that's going to be like. We could spend our lives within our limits trying to plan and plot and get wearied or burdened. Or we could come to Jesus, the one who is gentle, and who is humble and wants to put us first. And we could say, Jesus, give me your rest. Jesus, I choose your yoke. Where would you lead me? Shall we pray?